Welcome to the Hole in the Wall Business Podcast with Bill and James. I'm James Groves, and along with my business partner, Bill DeMent, we want to share our journey as small business owners with you. As owners of Hole in the Wall Drywall Repair, we will attempt to peel back the curtain of owning a small business in the trade service industry and talk about the many adventures of owning a small business. Hey there, Bill. Hey, James. I was just thinking, listening to your intro there, uh, as we do every week, Small business really is a journey, isn't it? It, it is. It's, an, it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. It's definitely something that you're always evolving and journeying into. And part of the, part of the fun is that being in business, we met, we have met, and continue to meet a lot of other people that are small businesses as well. Yeah. And it's always fun. Kind of, you just. It's like you're running a race yourself, but you get to run it with other people. Well, and I think that we're really blessed because. If, if, if you've not listened to, listener, you've not listened to the year in review that we did a few weeks ago. Oh, that was a great program. We spent just, I don't know, half hour or so talking. We, we touched on the 50 different podcasts and the guests that we've had. And yeah. it's like, so when you're in it, you just see, you're just trudging along, you're doing the work. You're just, you know, hey, another podcast is a great person. Nice to meet you. And then all of a sudden you stop and you look backwards for that one podcast. You kind of go, wait a second. Mm-hmm. We had some amazing things. Oh, and we covered this, and we covered the spectrum in personalities, yeah. in businesses, in people. And so that was fifty for last year, and you know, and we're on eighty today. In this guest, I've been trying to get on the podcast since episode one. <clears throat> um, but uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a friend of ours. He is uh, Darnell Mahone. He's the owner of Bella Group Funding. Darnell, welcome. What's up, guys? We're so glad you're here. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for so, having me. So Darnell is in um, our BNI uh, universe. Um, he's been, I, I met him at our BNI along with all of our other famous friends here. And, um, and so it's kind of neat to kind of finally have him here because he's not the easiest guy to wrangle. He's had lots going on, lots of good strengths in business, but he's got such an insight in business and a great story. So I wanted to have him on. And so thanks for coming here today, buddy. All right, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So let's, those who may not know you, tell a little bit about yourself. All right. All right. Okay, guys. My name is Darnell Mahone. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Relocated to Florida in 2017 um, from Dallas, as a matter of fact. So um, it's been a, it's been a good a good relocation. You know, this is a, a much slower vibe, so I, I love that. You know, I, I'm doing way more business, but just at a slower pace, which is you know kind of nice. Anybody that has lived in Dallas knows it's 24 seven go go go. It, it's a it's a, we talked about this the other day. It's a world class city. Yeah, night and day, just yeah, it's going. all day. Yeah, you know? and if you're in business, it's fantastic for that. So this was a this was a good move. It you know it's there's some parallels for sure, and uh, the growth has been fantastic for business. And, um, you know, we're just trying to weather this this right now storm, this industry storm. Um, I came into this industry in 2006, the, the best time to not enter an industry, um, you know, pre, pre-crash. But it gave me some particular insights in terms of handling problematic situations. Mm-hmm. You know, so now this market to me now is I always say it's just like another Tuesday because the point at which I came into the to the industry was already, you know, a struggle point. So this struggle point for me now doesn't feel like like much of a struggle point at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And so specifically, a Bella Group funding does what? All right. So we we do it all, as we say. We don't like to say a full service lender because it's a little bit misleading, but we do residential lending. We also do commercial lending as well. 
Um, the commercial lending arm is, well, all of it is essentially a brokerage. Um, we find the money. You know, if uh, if it's not readily available, we we have the creativity, the flexibility to source it out. And so that's essentially what we do. We we are a lender. Um, not much that we can't get done in one form or another. Really. What are some challenges that a, like you would have trying to finance a small business owner for a property or for something like that? Okay. So small business owners generally, the, the number one issue we really run into is time in business. You know, um, a, lot of, a lot of folks want to press the gas in, in that first year or two. We, we love to see people that have been in business for over two years to really start to have a, a, a nice foundation for what we try to do for them. So that's probably the number one time in business, um, money, capital, capital is always a, you know, an issue. Uh, not so much, cre- not so much credit, you know, not so much even income because a lot of the commercial lending that we're able to do is not income driven, you know, so we are able to lend, uh, if you have capital and, you know, to start yourself, we need the capital and, uh, we need a, a serviceable credit score, but for the most part, um, the income is not the start of show on the commercial side, which we love that. So are you looking at the, the business owner's personal or are you looking at their business credit score? Um, we can do either. You know, generally speaking, whichever whichever looks the best is the direction that we typically want to go. Um, most of the time, in particular recently, we're going to look at the personal. Whoever you set as the, the guarantor uh, for, for the business. You know, you can if you have a team of three, you can pick. You know which one, which person you want to to be the star of the show in that regard, mm-hmm. um, and we can set it up accordingly. Um, that's really, I guess, for lack of a better word, that's really the main point of focus when it comes to the credit side. Who has the sharper, sharper history that we can we can lean on? Right. So we've heard this term lately about your business credit score, and um, we've got we've gotten some advice from some people. What's the best way for a small business owner to get himself out of the equation and have the business kind of speak for itself long term? Okay. Well, yeah, and, and um, you know, there's there's business entities, uh, Dun and Brads, and things like that that will you know help you establish those business credit scores. There's companies who specifically all they do is build your business credit, and so you want to seek them out. You know, find a reputable company for that if if um you know that's the direction that you want to go. And, and make sure that you're using and active with those accounts. You want to drive your score. You want to drive your, your history. Um, so a lot of times we can just pull those independently. We can say, okay, can you get us a credit reference? And that becomes, you know, part of the story. Um, but you got to have something built up with, with whoever that creditor may be. So be, be active. Don't be, you know, don't be ridiculous with it. <laughs> but just, you know, be active. Use the accounts, you know, um, show that you're, you know, an entity that people want to get behind, that lenders want to get behind. Because you'll get to a certain level where you're no longer seeking money. They're knocking at your door. Right. And that's the ideal situation. Um, But you have to you have to have an active relationship with your creditors in order to to secure that type of interaction. Right. Cool. So this market that we're in currently right now is a little weird <laughs> so it was great you know i know when i mortgaged my house it was you know 2.75 and the housing prices were half the price they are now and now it's like completely flopped everything's expensive and the interest rates went up and so i mean 
What are some of the struggles you're finding right now that you're going through? Ooh. Oh, man. Um, the Internet is is my, my nemesis. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, you know, and the Internet just feeds it, feeds it, feeds it. And so most of my, my conversations with, with um, clients is talking them off of something that they've seen online, you know, that's, oh, well, I read that you could do this, this, and this. And it's just like, no, that's not a, that's not a real thing. That's just to get your attention, you know, to get you to call and, you know, get you, you know, baited um, into believing that these people can do this. And then once they get you on the phone, you'll get a whole different type of, you know, scenario. So that's, that's been my biggest uh, hurdle in, in this particular market is that everybody's now looking for an out. They're looking for the magic pill, if you will, to help them in their particular situation. The reality is this is just what it is. You know what I mean? If somebody comes through with some crazy numbers, um, it's probably not realistic. Um, and, and so you just got to, with me, when, in my, the way that my approach is, I, I'm clear as possible. I try to be as transparent as possible. Even when there's hiccups, I want them to understand what the hiccup is and why the hiccup is. Um, outside of that, man, it's, it's just, as I said, when I came into business, it was already kind of rocky. So you just weather it, you know, and you tell people it's always a good time to buy a home. It's an asset. It's always going to be an asset um, unless there's a catastrophe. And then everybody's in the same boat even still. But it's always a good time to buy because your only option is to rent, you know, and that's you're basically feeding someone else's retirement. And that's not necessarily a comfortable option right now either, is it? No, no, exactly. Rent, rent's expensive too. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so normally in a normal market, one would kind of help the other. One would kind of offset the other. But this particular market, both are off, you know, off kilter right now. So the rental market is absurd. You know what I mean? Uh, unless you're an investor, then it's great. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, normally as, as, you know, housing prices go up, you know, the rental market gets fed because people are like, it's too expensive to, to buy. So, you know, then more becomes available on the housing side, and then that ebb and flow is a natural thing. But when both are up, it, it kind of, you know, stalemates some things. And I think that's part of what, you know, what the slowdown has been is that people don't know which way to go, you know. And so you're starting to see that nuclear family come back into play, people moving back home, you know, and things like that because it's, it's up across the board. Yeah, and by uh, by necessity, that's happening, isn't it? Where you have multi generational yeah, living. Yeah, yeah, and it's not bad. I mean, I, I'm not mad at that. I really kind of appreciate that moment because I, I think that was important back, you know, back when it was a thing. And uh, to see it come back, I kind of like it. Yeah, I was researching that recently. That uh, historically, that has been the way families lived. Yeah, it, it was common uh, all throughout our history to have three generations and sometimes more, four. In a single household, sure, sure. Uh, and and the up until probably prior to World War, I mean after World War II, it began to shift a little bit, uh, where people were more mobile. Families were now splitting, moving mm-hmm. to the West Coast, the East Coast. They are out of state now, but I I think you really hit on something there that that families are kind of doubling up a little bit to, yeah, right. by necessity. Yep. Yeah, and you're seeing builders create homes with multiple master suite options, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. whether they're upstairs or downstairs. And so it's kind of a neat feature. You know, when we lived out West, there was always the like the casita, mm-hmm. you know, the mother-in-law suite or something The granny that. flat. The granny that's flat. the one. <laughs> but, you know, to, to go in and buy a home that's four or five bedrooms, 
or they can convert one of these sections into another master. Right. Um, so, you know, and frankly, you may need to do that because mm-hmm. when in a, a one bedroom apartment is over $2,000 a month and you want to buy, you know, you need to bring in multiple generations to probably afford uh, a home, you know, so multiple incomes can definitely help that that yeah. household. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great if you think about it. I mean, as long as you, you know, can stay, kind of stay within yourself, right? Like you got to look at it from a particular perspective. And the perspective is this is the what's best for my family, like all of them, you know yeah. what I mean? As Good. opposed to this more self-centered model that, that kind of came out of that, right? Everybody kind of wants their space, but think about the financial benefit of having multiple incomes in that house. Everybody's able to save more. Everybody's able to, to feel a little less stressed under those circumstances. Now, you know, other than the family part, <laughs> I mean, in terms of the, you know, the financial part, everybody's a little bit better off in the long run. Even a younger group, at some point, okay, let's say you do eventually want to move out, but now you're in a better position to move out. You know what I mean? Historically speaking, you've been able to put some money up, you know, and uh, I think there's some real advantages to it as long as you can keep perspective. You know, if if everything is just about me, 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 or or my space, my space, my space, then and that's not going to be the dynamic for you. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you're thinking big picture and, you know, how to set up, as they say, generational wealth and things like that, you know, it's, it's a it's a good option. It's a great option. You know, that's not great for me <laughs> in what I do per se. But I think um, to, to kind of let things right itself, I'm OK with it. There's some other benefits to that, too. If you have an intergenerational household, mom mom now has her mother there mm-hmm. to help with the kids or can you just keep an eye on them while sure. they run to the grocery store so and then mom who may be a little older or you know parents that need a ride to the doctor or whatever they've got somebody right there in the household that can help with that there's shared meals stress yeah lessened, there's a lessened level of stress yeah agreed yeah, you know, yeah. a thousand percent mm-hmm. even the kids are, are less stressed out right there's the kids have multiple arms to, to jump into, you know what I mean? And, yeah, that's and true. To, to get advice from who gives better advice than a grandparent, you know what I mean? Like, and they're readily available to you. So, you know, I love it. I love the idea of it. Yeah. But I agree. It's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love my family, but if I didn't have to live with them, You're uh, good with my immediate family, fine. Kids, <laughs> wife, got it. But I love my parents. I hopefully they'll never have to move in oh, with man. me. But I, I moved home once back, back in the day. Yeah, my mom made it. She made it sound so good. You know, I cook every day, and it was like, "Oh yeah, you do cook every day." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then once you get in there, it's like, you know, a murder she wrote marathon on the TV. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you start to question everything. (laughs) So I think it's safe to say it's not going to work in every case. It could be an option in every case, but sometimes you you have to. And those options are there for you. It's neat. So what is the, uh, what's, so I'm sure I can just imagine you get the crystal ball question. When is the best time to buy? What, what should I wait for to buy? You you just said anytime's a good time to buy, but if someone's coming to you asking you, what's the most common question and how do you navigate that answer? Well, the most common question is, is the market going to crash? You know, and everybody's waiting. Now, I'm a lender. Now, you're asking a lender when the market is going. If I knew that, I'm already a gazillionaire. Let's just call it. But my point being, if you're talking to a lender and you're asking about a market crash, then you're already out. You understand what I'm saying? Because the cash people are waiting for the market to, to crash. And they're mm-hmm. going to leapfrog right over top of you because they have cash in hand. 
that always is going to trump, you know, a, a loan in, in any any downturn type situation. They can come in, scoop it. Billionaires are made in those those moments. You know what I mean? From people grabbing real estate and, and doing what they do. So that's probably the number one. I'm, or they'll say, I'm going to wait. You know, I think I'm just going to wait for the market to crash. And it's just like, man, you're making a mistake. Get your hand. You, you know, get your hands on a piece of property because it's it's forever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, no matter what happens, we know that this is cyclical. We know it's going to bounce back. We know that there's value in that land. You know what I mean? And and they're not making any more land. You understand what I mean? So um, I try to give them that and um, kind of redirect their focus, you know, when, when that comes in because I genuinely believe it's always a good time to buy. Like, I genuinely believe that. It's just a matter of what works for you, you know, and are you flexible enough to to deal with a, a particular type of market? You you have to have some degree of vision and you'll be surprised at how many people do not. Like, I'm honestly surprised that interior design is not like the number one industry in the, in the country, because a lot of people surprisingly do not have vision when it comes to making a home what they want it to be. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's very true. You know, and so... um builders are, are winning in, in this kind of environment because the house is new and people can come in and they can just, you know, do their thing. They don't have to do anything per se. But there's a lot of, you know, pre-built homes, pre-existing homes that, that you know, are great. You know, if you can see what what yourself in there and what making it what you want it to be, it's it's huge, you know. And so for me right now on a, on a residential side, renovation loans are big. You know, because now people cannot find what they're looking for. So now a renovation loan pops up and they're like, oh, you may have, you know, given them a light bulb moment. Um, They may still not know exactly what they want to see, but they know the options are there. That's where you come into your referral partners and you push them out and say, okay, I got somebody for you Uh, and and get them going that way. But um, yeah, man, it's it's always I genuinely believe it. it's always a good time. I think what I do is is important, you know, um, and I don't say that to, to kind of pat myself on the back. I, I don't feel like that. People, you know, know me that that I, I don't move that way. I'm genuinely, um, in it for the people. You know, I, I want to make money, but I, I'm genuinely. I want to see people, you know, create that thing for themselves. That that legacy and, and their kids. You know, you don't know what owning a home will do for your children. You know, mentally and and giving them something to shoot for. Like, it's it's bigger than than the surface level. I think. Now it's so easy to buy a home that the, the the realization that this is actually a big deal has kind of fallen by the wayside. You know what I mean? Like a lot of stuff in this internet age. Yeah. You know? Well, recently it's been a big deal to find one you can buy. Well, yeah. I mean, their their price tags are are not cheap anymore. Yeah, know. I remember after the collapse in two thousand eight, I guess it was. Um, I read an article at that time that they there was a deficiency in the number of new homes being built by almost one and a half to 2 million nationally right. every year. I remember. And, and I, I just, that just stuck in the back of my mind. And now I'm seeing, because I, I've, I've been investing in real estate for 30 years okay. and I, I follow it a bit and I, I have seen this market and I thought, okay, well, this is going to collapse any minute. But the supply and demand of it, and I'm going, the supply and the demand, and I'm thinking we're not building enough new structures every year. So 
we're at the point now that the population would like to buy, right. and then there just isn't supply for it, and that's put pressure on the prices. Yeah. Yeah, that, I'm reminded of this old commercial when I was a kid. There was a guy trying to sell properties, land. They don't make it anymore. No. <laughs> when you said that, like, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> it's real. Buy your own piece of heaven. They just keep making more people. Right, yeah, yeah so they people do. are never going to stop. Uh, but no, it. Um, you know, it's it's cool to see. It's a cool industry. Like honestly, I, I love real estate. I love you know construction and and all of that. I wish there was more um, cooperation. You know, um, with all of us, we're all eating off the same plate. You know, if you will, I wish there would be a little bit more cooperation, less competition. I, I don't feel like anyone's my competition in what I do. What's for me is what's for me, you know. And, and so I, I don't have a problem communicating with other loan officers. I get a lot of business from other lenders that just either don't have the time or the flexibility or the mindset to press through particular issues, you know. And so that's been a, a niche for me. I, I can, you know, save a deal you know, better than, than most, you know. And so I've, I've made a name for myself in that way. I don't always want those, but let me be clear. But, you know, I love the idea that, oh, we fixed that, you know what I mean? Or we saved that. Like that person, that person appreciates that, you know. And that's always kind of been my thing. Like my, my tagline is, you know, Bella Group Funding, where lending is personal. I do take it personal, you know what I mean? And that there's a good and a bad to that, but, you know, if you're not able to take pride in what you're doing, then why are you doing it? You know yeah. what I mean? And, and that's kind of how I, how I look at it. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess there probably is a lot of that sort of element of massaging a deal through, right? There, there's an, it's, I, I almost it's picture awesome. a, a director of an orchestra, <laughs> you know, right. because you know what needs to happen and when. So you're able to, to coach a client. You're also able to be that liaison between your, yeah. the client and, and the lender. So, Talk a little bit about that, how you kind of, the kinds of things you might run into to kind of massage a deal through. Oh, man, that's a tricky one right there. It, it's it's definitely, uh, you know. Get them, get them. <laughs> tricky. It's definitely deal specific. But a lot of times it's it's it may not necessarily be tricky. It may just be the the loan officer. It may be their, their particular skill set or wherever they may have come from. So you'll find a lot of. You know, um, depository loan officers don't move like independent loan officers. You know, their 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 criteria is not the same. Their approach is not the same. You know, they're looking, you know, for, you know, what we call a paper, really streamlined stuff where a lot of us are, we never get a paper. You know, we always got to be creative. Now, what, what are you calling a paper? A paper is 800 credit, 20, 30% down, you know. So this is a, the cream of the yeah, crop yeah, exactly, kind of exactly. people. Okay. We would love, everybody would love those deals, you know, but it's most most buyers just don't fit in those boxes anymore. You know, the times have changed. You know, I'll give you an example. I can do a loan with a 500 credit score. You oh, see my. what I mean? So yeah. times have changed and there's a market for that. You see what I mean? So if there if there wasn't, we wouldn't have the loan. You see what I mean? There's a market for it. So it just depends on on what the situation is. A lot of times it's it's a credit situation. It could be uh, you know, semantics, like the way that you've submitted a file might might not line up to what an underwriter thinks. So you talk to that underwriter and you say, Okay, here's what I think, you know, and you're trying to get them to see it the way that you see it, so you can be on the same page. You know, the communication is key to that. So I'll give you an example. I had um, 
And this is so crazy, y'all. My, my, my ex-wife could not get her loan done to buy her new place. So she called me and I'm like, you seriously calling me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how bad is this? <laughs> that you calling me? Like, you know, I will torpedo that whole thing. No. But I ended up talking to her loan. She's like, well, could you please? Could you please? I know this is your thing. So, you know, I talked to her loan officer and he explained the issues that he was having. I said, okay, here's what you do. Go back to your underwriter and you say X, Y, and Z, you know, um, in our case, it was a matter of the existing, our home still being, she was still attached to it in one form or another. Well, technically she wasn't. They just didn't paint the picture correctly. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that, that's a scenario where skill set, you know what I mean? Or experience, if you will, came into play. Like I've dealt with this a hundred times. So I was able to direct his paths, you know, she closed, everybody's happy, you know? Um, but stuff like that, it could be, you know, an income situation. It could be a credit situation. It could be, you know, an asset situation. Or it's always um, it's always workable if you have the desire to work it. You know what I mean? Some people they see the roadblock or speed bump and they're they're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I, I hate that for my brothers in in lending. A lot of them will just ghost. You know what I mean? I get that all the time. Power, buyers are like, well, I just can't get a hold of them anymore. I can't fix it. And so instead of just telling them, hey, I can't fix this, you know, they just don't respond. They, they're waiting for you to kind of walk away. You know, no, there's, there's somebody that can. But it's a peer. And you have to have that peer relationship in order to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of keep that alive. But you have to want it. You have to want those relationships. I'm not, people have made this industry so competitive. It's, it's, it's not for me. I don't view it that way in any way. Like, what's for me is for me. What's for you is for you. And there's enough money for everybody. You know, let's just call it what it is. So it doesn't drive me. That that form of competition has never driven me in this industry. I'm trying to take care of my client as best I possibly can. I want them. I want their parents. I want their kids. I want their cousins, you know. And so that's how I get those those longevity clients because I'm I'm giving all my effort and I'm, and they'll see that I'm working harder than than the next group yeah. of people. Mm-hmm. Well, full disclosure, Darnell got my son. His helped him helped him get his mortgage for his house. So that was a yes, yes. A treat. nice. Which leads me to kind of my next series of questions is like, what are some challenges that you see first time home buyers getting into, and what advice do you have for someone who doesn't necessarily have a home yet but wants to buy a home to get them ready to buy the home? One of the things I really loved about how you handled our situation was. You coach them like six months prior to even them buying the house. So what are just some tips and tricks? Like if someone wants to buy a house soon, but, you know, they're in their early 20s or even late teens, and they, they want to try and buy a home, but they, they're not quite positioned. What are some things that you can help them with now so it sets them up for success later? Okay. Well, uh, let's start with the first-time home buyer side of that. Um, number one, Stop listening to people who bought houses a hundred years ago. Like it's different now. You know what I mean? So your your cousin's, you know, mother-in-law that owns a mechanic shop can't tell you how this loan is supposed to go. So listen to the people that you've chosen to work with. That's number one. Like if you are comfortable enough to work with them, then you should be taking their advice. Whether it's me as a lender, whether it's your real estate agent, you know, your insurance person, whatever it is, you know, these people are professionals. You know, I, I tell people all the time, I do this every day. Like, you, you understand? I do this for a living. You know, this is not a hobby. 
This is this is an actual profession. There's a license for a reason. Listen to professionals, you know. Um, and if they do that, then their process will be smoother. You know, the, the whole entire transaction will be how they envision it. Um, well, most of the time, barring catastrophe, it'll it'll go very well for them. You know, a lot of times things, some there's some unforeseen things that come up. Nothing you can do about that. But you can control the things that you can control. And number one is be a willing listener. You know, so all my new homeowners or home buyers out there, listen. Listen to your lender. Listen to your real estate agent. And if you want to, you know, go the next step, make sure your real estate agent and your lender are communicating. You know, be proactive in that. If they don't know each other, then introduce them. You know, because we all or we have to work together and it has to be, um, you know, what's the right word? It, it just has to gel for you to have the best buying experience that you can have. Like, that's that's just it in a nutshell. Um, as far as tips, I would say don't be in a rush to to move out. You know what I mean? If you're if you're in your parents home or, you're you know, you have a roommate situation, take your time, you know, saving money is a lost art, you know what I mean? And and there's this mentality of you can't take it with you, but yeah, but, you know, you have plans, you know what I mean? You have goals that you want to accomplish. You need to save some money, you know? Yeah. Um, but there, at some point, there's that murder she wrote marathon factor <laughs> going on. Man, I know more about that than I care to admit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, Saving is is probably one of the things that people do not talk about anymore. When I come across a young couple and they they have money, I'm blown away. You know, it's a it's a you know inside story with us and realtors. We'll we'll be like, oh my god, we got money, you know, because it's so out of the norm now. You know, because there's so many assistance programs, there's so many different avenues for people to to get what they need. That you know them sometimes doing their part gets lost. And I'm not, you know, talking down on anything like that, but saving is important. You know what I mean? And so um, what I found with our new people, especially if if I say, okay, you're approved for 325, eh, the first three or four houses they come back with are 375. You know what I mean? Like they they go beyond. No, there's there's a reason you're capped at this number. I'm I'm doing this for you. You know what I mean? I don't want you to get in that home. You know, get in a pinch and lose it, and then look at me and say, "Why did you put me in that home?" You if know you, what I mean. If you buy a house you can't afford, it's not necessarily a blessing, is it? No, no, absolutely no, because you, there's no help coming. You know what I mean? Like you, you kind of put yourself in that pinch. You, you, you're not, you're not, as they say, you're not a kid anymore. Right? This is this is the real thing, and they will come and get. They will come for you. You know what yeah. I mean? So why not do the work in the beginning? Make sure you're okay, and don't always. Um, Feel the need to exceed. Definitely don't compare to to the next person. I, I had a a lady who she had this dollar figure in mind, and she did not care anything about nothing else. She had to have this a much house, and I was just like, "You haven't even started looking. Like, why are you so locked in?" Well, my sister bought this house. Oh my! And uh, right, oh. and her number had to be higher than her sister's. No matter what, she was not going to take a house that was less than that, and it was. It was mind-boggling. You know what I mean? Like you'd rather put yourself in a in a hole than be comfortable in your home. You know, it didn't even make a lot of sense. So yeah. take taking your time and really listening to the professionals and and honestly putting money up, you know, are are really the keys. Yeah. 
So I'm curious. Um, I know that you're not in a static industry. I know it doesn't sit still. So how much time do you spend educating yourself and staying up with the latest things? It's daily. We don't we don't really have a choice. Things are changing pretty much every single day. Like you have meetings about your meetings and you you really do have to uh be prepared. You have to be flexible. If you're not, then you're gonna fall by the wayside or you're just gonna be, you know, making mistakes. And mistakes in our industry are costly. You know, they cost money. They're costing somebody money. You know what I mean? And so whether it's them as individuals or their company. Somebody, you know, mistakes, somebody's going to pay for it. So you have to stay on top of, of, you know, your education. If you have a team, you got to make sure your team is educated and, and, you know, have fun with it. You know what I mean? Don't, don't approach it begrudgingly, you know, just kind of, okay, we, what do we have today? You know what I mean? Kind of approach it that way and make it, you know, make it less of a chore. Want to become a business owner, but not sure where to start? A hole-in-the-wall drywall repair franchise could be the opportunity you've been waiting for. As a franchisee, you'll have access to our comprehensive training program, ongoing support, and a proven business model developed to help entrepreneurs like yourself succeed. With our low overhead costs and high demand for services, you'll be able to hit the ground running and start generating income quickly. Achieve financial success while providing a valuable service to your community. Go to holeinthewallfranchising.com and take the first steps towards achieving your entrepreneurial dreams. So can we switch gears real fast? Because we've been talking about savings and the new homeowners. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned capital earlier for business owners. Right. Um, as a small business owner, what are some goals that we want that we should think about setting as far as capital-wise before we even worry about jumping into you know, buying a building or something like that? Um, it's kind of the same. It's it's kind of mirrored. It's just you know you're approaching it as a business uh, as a as opposed to an individual, but you still need to try to save money. You still need to position yourself for that uh, for that market like this, where where things are all over the place and you don't know what's coming next. If you've positioned yourself with a little bit of cushion, you know you can weather that storm. You know what I mean? And you 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 know I'm not. I think we talked about this once, James, that you guys were in position to you know carry if things went another way. You know. That's that's very important, and it's one of the things that people don't talk about because, because there's so many entities offering money and assistance and whatever the case may be, people are using that as the go-to as a, in front of doing the work themselves. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, I know I can get money from X, Y, and Z. You can until they change their criteria, you know, and now you're up a creek, you know what I mean? Because they have the, the ability to do that. That one thing they offer today don't mean they'll offer it tomorrow, you know? So whatever you you may be banking on, well, I have access to this. Even credit, you know, um, I mean, like credit cards, I mean, like revolving, you know, debt. It You may have a, a substantial credit limit until you start using it, you know what I mean? And the tendency is, oh, they're using this account now, let's they may have to relook at how you're using your account. So next thing you know, your credit limit, for example, may be updated. You know what I mean? And now you don't have what you thought you had, you know, but you, you've you've taken an unnecessary risk instead of, you know, saying out front, you know, I need to hold on to some of this. We need to watch our money, watch our spending, because when things are good, you think they're going to always be good. And, some, and I mean, let's just look, historically speaking, they're never always good. You know what I mean? You should always have 
you know, that in the back of your mind, okay, worst case scenario, here's what we got put away. Um, that's one of the main things that that I see in yeah. terms of capital. So in residential, I know you can, you know, you can get a 3% down, but I know this is a little different for commercial, right? Yeah. What's the minimum-ish that you're seeing? Right now? Um, it depends on what you're doing. Like I have some uh, construction loans, some builder loans that are, you know, high five, low six percent. Right. Um, but it's a, you know, they're looking at higher ticket things, you know what I mean? So they're, they're going to make their money and and they're servicing. So they know that they have an opportunity to, to earn what they may be losing on that interest rate. So, you know, they've positioned themselves. It works for them. That's, you know, that's okay. On a standard situation, if, if I have a, you know, a middle of the pack credit score, you know, a middle of the pack kind of down payment situation, no income, um, you know, we're probably eights, nines in that scenario. These are not bad numbers for commercial lending. But, you know, if especially if you're not providing any income, you're getting you're basically being approved on your credit score and the and that property. You, you take that take that eight or nine percent and be happy. You know what I mean? Because you're not you're not truly being qualified as an entity or as an individual. Now if you can, okay, great. But a lot of you know, a lot of accountants and CPAs, their whole goal is to save you money. They're they're not wanting to show every single penny as earnings. You know what I mean? So you, your tax returns may not be a true reflection of what you may be bringing in, but that's how we have to qualify you. So if you don't have to show, you know, that and you can qualify without producing income, you know, I won't say whatever interest rate you get, but within reason, you're not truly qualifying. You know what I mean? You're qualifying based on a set of criteria that may not paint the entire picture. That's a great interest rate under those circumstances, you know. And uh, and that's really, you know, the commercial side is 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 particular in that way. You know, you can do a lot of things. It's just, it's really deal specific. Like, they don't, um, the tendency is not the cookie cutter anything on the commercial side. They'll you can you can bring anything to the table. You know, I want to buy a mechanic shop with a you know marijuana garden in the backyard. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm over <laughs> overstating that, but my point being, the more uses a property has, you know, the more appealing it is. That's you know very important as well in terms of what commercial is looking for. Uh, if they ever need to take that property from you, they want to know they have options. You know, and and so on and so forth. So, um, what about like down payment wise? I've always heard that commercially you need twenty percent down. Typically, yeah, you know, yeah. Sometimes more. Um, I do have a ten percent down product, if you will. But basically, what it what it is is it'll allow a seller to carry a second mortgage for you. So you may need ten percent, and the seller carry ten percent, for example. Um, and that becomes a 10% loan for you. You know, you have all the other bases covered. The seller carries a second mortgage for you, and, and we're off to the races. So that's new, and, uh, you know, that has some major appeal if you have a, a seller that's receptive to it. And a lot of times, why not? If I can earn 6 7 8% on a, you know, on a small note of a building that I no longer own, that's not a bad position to be in. You know what I mean? That's passive income for that seller. So, and that's how we would, you know, try to approach that with the seller. Hey, would you be interested in carrying back, you know, some of this, some of this mortgage, you know, and a lot of times they will. Interesting. 
So from a commercial side, what are some trends of things that are, are, are winning? I know that in, in my neck of the woods, there's a ton of like car washes. Um, there's a ton of um, storage units. I mean, what are some things that you're there's seeing? There's a lot people, of dental offices too. A lot of dental and mattress <laughs> companies. So what, I mean, are, are you, are you seeing any, any trends that, that things are kind of that, that if you had money to plop down and you want to pop a piece of property somewhere, you would build a office a, building, an office building, office space. Office space was, and this was maybe a year and a half ago, a year ago, and Winter Garden was at a 50, 50 a square foot, $50 a square foot. Yeah. It's insanity. I would build an office building immediately. Um, there's just not enough office space. Even even warehouse space, um, you know, I had a deal that was downtown Orlando. They had a big old, you know, X factory that they wanted to move and, and just the warehouse. There was nothing else downtown that had dock space with it, you know, it was in such a high demand. And I was running into issues because my end of the line investors couldn't believe that this property was in such a demand. Like this had this much value because there was nothing for it to compete with. So it stood alone. And that in that particular situation kind of became a sticking point. How are y'all determining this value? Well, there's nothing else like it. You know, so if anyone had, you know, need warehouse space and they need this dock space. They need to bring these big trucks in. There's nothing downtown Orlando. You know, it was ideal. And so that became an outlier. You know what I mean? Uh, so outside of that, I would say uh, medical, medical's always there. Medical's like real estate. It's never going away. Um, but if I had to build anything today, it would, it would be office space. I would, um, I would look at uh, executive suites even, you know, executive suites are, are big, still big, common common space. That that whole dynamic has grown, and uh, it's it's nice, you know, communal vibe, you know what I mean? Um, those are huge, and um, oddly enough, man, uh, storage spaces are still popular. Yeah, you know, as yeah, long as like people are storage. Keep, they're so expensive now, it's like... But, you know, with so many people coming into Florida, the storage spaces are, are huge. Parking, if you if you have somewhere, you know, where you can do a park and ride kind of situation, yeah. 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 I, I see, like, the warehouse complex we're in. There, there's just rows and rows of 1,000 love turn square foot yeah. warehouses. And there is a waiting list yeah. to get into this place. Like, like people have waited years to get into complexes like this. Mm -hmm. Which is why we have a move. It's like, you know what? We're just going to stay here for a while. And they'll stay for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so if I had a crystal ball, I would have bought property similar to this and build warehouses like this because I know the owner of this property. He's he's, he's doing pretty he's well. Doing he's doing okay. Yeah. yeah, those warehouse suites with the, yeah. I mean, the half garage, half, you know, bay door. You can't beat it. Yeah. You can't beat it. Any other words of wisdom before we let you go, Darnell? Oh man, don't eat yellow snow. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't have. A, I don't have a whole lot, man. Um, um, I just I'm doing what I enjoy. You know, I, I love I love the help factor. That well, that that's coming through. You're actually you're excited about what you do still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I'm having a good time. Well, um, if my um, audience wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to to, to get a hold of you? All right, best way is uh, probably. Cell phone, uh, text message. You can email me as well. My phone number is 407-394-0343. Always on, always available that way. Uh, 
My email, Darnell at bellagroupfunding.com. Same for all my socials, bellagroupfunding.com or bellagroupfunding on Instagram, Facebook. Um, easy to find. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, man. thanks oh, for yeah. stopping really in. Sure. Having Loved having you. This shouldn't yeah. have took this long, man. I know, right? That's all right. We're a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, it was great. Thank you, guys, man. Right. I appreciate it a bunch. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. It's another good show. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Hole in the Wall Business Podcast with Bill and James. We'd love for you to join our Facebook group and keep the conversation going. If you'd like to learn more about us and our business, check us out at holeinthewall.com. If you'd like to learn more about how to start a Hole in the Wall franchise, go to holeinthewallfranchising.com. <laughs>